Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. Welcome to Beneath the Surface. Glad you could join us tonight. Paul Morano here with my guest tonight, Mr. Bob LeBlanc. Bob, welcome. Hey, thank you, Paul. Good to see you. Inviting me. Yeah. Absolutely. Tonight, it's exciting. Show number seven in the series, The Creed Beneath the Surface. And in the series, we have been going, uh, taking each part of the creed, each piece or each phrase of the Nicene Creed and making a show out of each of them. And this is show number seven. So just to backtrack for a few seconds, number, show number one was, I believe. Show number two was, in one God. Show number three, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The show number four was, of all things visible and invisible. Show number five, we believe, in, and I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. Show number six, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. And here, ladies and gentle things, show number seven, which we will focus directly on God from God, light from light, true God from true God. And there he is, your guest and mine, Mr. Bob LeBlanc. Hey, Paul. Ready to delve beneath the surface on this? We'll make an attempt at it, Paul. <laughs> well, we'll at least delve. What we find, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be anyone's guess. All right, so as we, as, as I just told the audience, uh, this is show number seven, and we are focusing again on the divinity of Christ. Just to look at the creed objectively from stepping back a half a step, you see that, yeah, very good. You see that it begins with, I believe in one God, and that's basically the, the introduction, if you will, of the Nicene Creed. Then it speaks about the first person, the second person, and the third person of God. And then after that, the church and what the church does and what we look forward to, which is the resurrection. Right now, we are in the second person of God because we talked about the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and that he created all things visible, the visible universe, as well as the invisible world, which is the world of angels. Um, but we're still in the divinity of Christ because he hasn't been incarnated yet in, in, in this part of the creed. Mm -hmm. um, so we are speaking about how eternally without beginning, uh, the son is generated from the father. Uh, so we talked about um, that last, uh, last show on Beneath the Surface. And um, this is basically elaborating on that yes that, that the second person of the trinity is god from god light from light true god 
from true God. Basically, the creed is saying, make no mistake about it, the second person of God is just as much God as the first person of God. Yes? Oh, no, this is exactly what it's all about. What's happening here, especially when you get into the God from God part, um, there's historical reasons. I mean, Christianity is a historical religion, and uh, there was a, uh, a priest called Arius who, who was, uh, kind, he was kind of devi denying div the divinity of Christ. Um, Actually, he was a bishop at the time, wasn't he? Um, well, I'm not sure of the timeline. He eventually was a bishop. Uh, and and we're, we're talking the fourth century AD. Well, correct, correct. Okay. Okay. We're, we're talking in the fourth century. And uh, so as far as I can, I can um, get the sense of what Arianism is, and it's not the Arianism of Nazi Germany Arianism. No, it's totally different, different spelling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is all about uh, an Arianism that centers around this guy, Arius. And he, he believed that Christ or Jesus had, or well, this, the second person of the Trinity had a beginning. You know, as far, as far as I can determine, there was God is eternal, but Jesus or, or the son of God had a beginning. So it wasn't out, an outright total rejection of divinity. Because especially when you deal with, with all these human beings, there's kind of an overlap, what you mean by God. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so he, he, he would suggest that, that uh, Jesus was a very powerful and divine-like person, but he was not fully God. He was not equal to God the Father. So he was not equal to God the Father, and he was created by God the Father. Yes, it's, it sounds it sounds exactly what he was claiming. Is yeah. the the basic claim of Arius was he once was not, and then he yeah. was. Right. So, so the notion of being eternally born of the Father or before all ages, that that's not a part of Arianism. Arianism right. believes that he, that the, the Son had a beginning. So God created the son. The son was not always like the father right. is always. All right. So that was, that was a huge problem back in the fourth century. Yeah. No, no, it, it, it really was. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you know, once you start uh, chipping away at Orthodox Christianity, um, it starts becoming meaningless. It stops making sense. Yeah. And, and it was a, a huge problem. You, you got to wonder, what Bishop Arius thought of the, the prologue to the Gospel of John, you know? That's exactly where I wanted to get into because... All right, let's do it. So, so can I, do you mind if I read, read the prologue? Uh, as long as you don't read it in a very boring fashion. Okay, well, I'll, do, right. I'll do my best lector voice here. All right, okay? you go for it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
that covers a lot of the stuff that we're actually covering right here in this single little fragment here. You, you know, it's just that you could ponder for all eternity. Absolutely. But the important thing, and I think this is really important, in the beginning was the word. So you hear a lot of Christians uh, talk about the word. And a lot of times people kind of associate that with the Bible. And right. certainly the Bible is the word, but not in the fullest sense. The right. fullest sense, the word was a person. Yes. And you see it right there in the first line. The word was God. Let's parse that John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's just parse yeah. that a little bit, because I really love doing that. Okay. In the, first of all, in the beginning is, is the first three words of the Gospel of John. Yes. Which are reminiscent of what? Genesis. It's of Genesis. You know, exactly. So, so, so we're, we, are, we are brought back to the beginning of the Bible. And, of course, yeah. Genesis, no matter what version Bible you have, yeah. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. The very first words you see. Very first words of the Bible in the are in the beginning. Yes. So it's interesting how Genesis in the beginning relates to the beginning of the universe, beginning of all creation, whereas the, the Gospel of John in the beginning relates to the beginning of the new creation. So you yes. have the, 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 in the beginning of the old creation and now in the beginning of the new creation, the old covenant, the new covenant, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and with the Gospel of John, getting back to that, in the beginning was the Word. Right. Was the Word. In the beginning, in the beginning of what? Well, I, th I, I don't think we're talking about a temporal in the beginning. Okay. We, because we're human beings and we have difficulty talking about eternity. What John is talking about here is, if we can say it, in a time before creation <laughs> happened. <laughs> and the, the reality that transcends creation. Right. Outside this of creation. The, so there was, yeah. a, there was a moment when yeah. creation was not, yeah. and we're talking about so, before then. So we're talking about the before all ages of the creed. In the yes. beginning, before all ages. In the beginning was the word. And the word, and, and this is the part that's, that fascinates me. Because because it, it almost sounds like a contradiction, but it isn't. Yes. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. There's a distinction yeah. there, a distinction between word and God. The word was with God. And then the very next line, and the word was God. Yeah. So, How do you wrap yourself around that? <laughs> I mean, if you were to just listen to that in contemporary English without thinking about it that much, you'd say you're contradicting yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. However, you have to understand the, the distinctions here, right? In Absolutely. The, in the beginning, the, the word was with God. So the son was with the father. The eternal, yeah. the eternal second person of God, which is the word, was with the first person of God. We're talking about the persons of God here. Right. With the that, with no, God. That, 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 that is how we Christians make sense of this. Yeah. The, the Trinity is the only way to understand the first line of the Gospel of John. Yeah, uh, if you don't have that, uh, it starts falling apart for you. Yeah, and and after, right after that, the Word was with God, the Son was with the Father, in the same breath, and the Word, the Son, was God. So, so right there, you have Trinitarian theology that right. there are there's more than one person in God, and God is one being, despite right. being more than one person. So, and the Holy Spirit, of course, is going to be talked about in a little while. 
Right, right. Yeah. So, so what they're talking about the first instance when the word was with God, they're talking about God as a person there, God the Father. Yeah. And then in the second time, the word was God, we're talking about the divine nature. We're talking about that the word yeah. was divine, had a divine nature, which he shared with God the Father. Yeah, so distinct persons, same being. Right. There it is in a nutshell. Distinct persons, one being. The word's with God and the word was God. So, and then, then the Gospel of John speaks about the light and the darkness. Yes. And he's, he's big on that. And in his letters, he speaks about that too. Yes, no, absolutely. And in fact, uh, you know, preparing for this, I'm going, where do I go to look for the word light in the Bible? Yeah. And it was, it was actually, I think the most, the most obvious is in the, the, the beginning of the first letter of John. Um, yeah. Chapter one, uh, verses five through 10. Yes. It's right there. And it's, it's subheaded, God is light. Yes. And actually that's it's given that, you know, uh, the paragraph is given that, but it's actually a line within it. That's in verse five. That's right. God is light. Yes. And, and you, you see that and you're going, whoa, what does that mean? And, and it's, you, you hear John say in the same letter, he's saying God is love. And we do take that literally. Yes. But God is light. That becomes more difficult to take literally. I don't have a problem with it. If you understand light to mean spiritual light, which basically means truth and goodness. Well, and you might I, as well, you might as well add beauty into that too. Right. I, I think, <clears throat> I think it's, it's intended for us to understand as an analogy. Okay. And, and, and the problem is, is that we're going backwards. The true light is God and all other light that we physically, materially see, you know, the, the, you turn the light bulb on, you see light. Yeah. That is the lesser light. Sure. Um, that, that oh, it's created light. It's yeah. created light. And, yeah. and so, so the light that we see is less than the light that is God. And so we need to work from there rather than to say that, God is something like light, but rather light is something like God. Yes. Yes. God, God is not something like light. Light is something like God. I like that. Yes. Yeah. I think that gets it, everything in the proper perspective <laughs> and trying to understand what's going on here. So, so the first letter of John says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, one could see darkness as, as, as lies and, and evil. Basically. Yeah, I, I think yeah. evil is probably the yeah. best. Uh, um, evil is a privation of the good. God is good, so therefore, which, which darkness, is a priv is, is a privation of the light. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so you have that that, that complete uh, uh, analogy there. It, it works at many levels here. At uh, God is good. Yes. God is goodness itself. And then we could actually say that God is the light itself. And we're yes. talking about something that's beyond the light that we understand in the material sense, but sure. we're talking about something spiritual here. And of course, if God is light, <clears throat> then the sun is light from light. If he's God from God, he's light from light. Yeah, but you have to <clears throat> actually be careful here because in English, we might be talking about the sun in the sky rather than the sun 
who is in heaven uh, <laughs> okay. residing with God the Father. Yeah. Okay. S O N. S O N. S O N. That's right. Um, well, because the, the, there is also kind of an analogy here. So we're, we're, we're talking about, because the sun is used as an analogy to help us to understand uh, God, the Trinity, the God in the, in the yeah. Trinitarian sense. And, and go ahead. Well, I was going to say there's, there's an analogy between the sun and the sun also. Right. S-U-N and S-O-N, because when we are living in Christ, uh, which means we are in a state of grace, then we are literally enjoying the sunshine, S-O-N. Right. Because he is shining his grace on us, we are able to walk in the light, as as St. John speaks here. And let me just go uh, to the next line here with uh, the first letter of St. John. God is light. In him there is no darkness. And if we say we have fellowship with God, we can and, and continue to walk in darkness, then we do not act in truth. Basically, we're we're, right. we're we're lying. How can you have fellow? How can you even say that you have fellowship with God while you continue to intentionally walk in darkness? Impossible. Right. Right. No. This is the and in fact, no one can get into heaven without yeah. having this sort of purity. You you can't bring evil or sin with you. No. into heaven no so walking in the dark means that basically you have decided to walk outside of god's love and life right outside right. of his lights if you will and 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 in ephesians 5 it talks about us being children of the light and obviously if we're walking in darkness we're not children of the light and i think this is important because jesus is using the word light quite often during the gospels he's referring to light as himself, which yep. we've, we've just, uh, it's in uh, chapter eight, uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's talking about himself being the light, yes. but he is also looking at his disciples and yes. seeing them as the light. Yeah, so, yeah, you are the light of the world. Go out and spread that light, right? Right, right. So Because we get, his disciples get their light from him himself, who is the source right. of all light. And, and that, that, that permeates our sacramental life, um, especially we just had Easter, yep. and the, 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 the baptismal candle is so significant. You know, the, on the Easter vigil, we light that candle, and the, the priest is invoking the fact that Jesus mm. Christ is the light, and we bring that light into the darkness. That light, um, by analogy, mm. is in the tomb. You know, Jesus is resting in the tomb after he's been crucified. He's, he's in that darkness. And then the light comes in this darkness, meaning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that light coming out of that darkness or eliminating, defeating that darkness. Defeating death, which is the ultimate darkness. Right, right. So, so you have all these uh, analogies, these metaphors coming mm. into play off of the light. Do you find it interesting? That what you just said about, you know, the light is resurrected in the resurrection of Christ on Easter. Do you find it interesting that in the transfiguration scene, I believe it's John chapter, what is it, 16 or yeah, 16, uh, 17, but in the middle of John, the transfiguration, and I think it's in Luke too, and Matthew perhaps. It's Luke and Matthew, yeah. Oh, it's, it's Luke and Matthew, okay. That his, he shined like light, his, yes. including his clothing. Right. 
Now, I don't know how, to, I'm not exactly sure how to take that, whether his clothing shone like light or just, just that the body of Christ was like light that shone through his clothing. Either way, you have this concept of light in the, in, in the preview of the resurrected Jesus. Right. That's exactly what the tra uh, transfiguration is about. It was uh, theologians consider that this is to was supposed to help the disciples um, through their their period of darkness when Jesus is being crucified, and and so it's kind of a prefiguration, a kind of a a, a, a preview of the of what's to come, yeah. and Jesus revealing his divinity and glory in the transfiguration. You're seeing Jesus. Um, not completely unveiled, but significantly unveiled. You're seeing yeah. something that they did not see before. It's one of the luminous mysteries. Uh, luminous in, means light. <laughs> right, it means light. Yeah. Yeah. And so light is actually talking about a revealing as well. So, so Jesus as the word, I mean, yeah. the Bible is the word. There's a, a revelation and all of scripture is the word and it's also a light. And you see the Old Testament yeah. talking about knowledge of God as a light, so well, we, you know we, God's laws. We, we uh, use it in common English when we say, yes. you know, what do words do? They enlighten. Correct. So the Absolutely. word, the word with a capital W, enlightens the wor world. And, you know, some philosophers believe that without that medium of the word of God, then creatures would have no access to reality at all. Correct. Correct. And in fact, I think that even brings us to the pagan philosophers. I'm thinking specifically of Plato's cave. Okay. And, and, and so here you have all of humanity in Plato's cave and somebody from outside of the cave brings light into the cave, yeah. hopefully to lead them out of the cave, you know? So there's kind of a, a glimpse of, of the pagans. Mm. They had maybe sort of an idea that humanity had to be led out of the darkness, which yeah. you realized that it was in. Speaking of pagans, the, the Stoics, ancient Greek Stoics, had this notion that in order to understand reality as it is, there, there needs to be a logos for us to understand through, to which we can know truth for what it is. Without the logos, we'd have no access to it. We'd just be totally confused. Right. But they, you know, they weren't Christian per se, but because, right. so they didn't, um, they didn't connect the logos with God or, you know, there being persons of God, but at least they got that notion that, that concept correct. And of right. course, St. John, as you know, if you, if you read it in the Greek, in the beginning was the logos and the logos was with God and the logos was God. The lo and logos, of course, comes from the uh, word meaning science or reason or truth or right. understanding logic, logic yeah. all of that stuff biology psychology everything that ends with all ology comes from the logos correct so this it's science, it's science of science uh, of or, or under or truth of or reason right correct and in fact uh, that mm. is the, the word logos in greek is very very rich it has yeah. all these various meanings so, right that, that's why you can't just take one english word and say that's what logos means it's, Correct. It's, it's wider than that. <clears throat> and, and, and in fact, you would, you would, you would could say, and I think in, especially when we're talking about the Trinity, you could say that the word or 
you could say this is the thought of God. Sure. Jesus, Jesus, the person of God, the person of the Logos is the thought of God or the truth of God. Um, that comes forth from him. Like we have, from. when we think we have a concept and that concept comes forth from our minds and we can make, we can distinguish it from it from me, even though it comes forth from me. Right. And so that you could say is the eternal word of God who is a person. Right. So this, the single thought of God is the word. Yes. The, the single eternal thought of God through which all creation happens through that word. And in fact, that's what John does in the beginning. He's saying that all of creation happens through this word. Yes. And so you have, you have all persons of the Trinity involved in creation. Later on, you start seeing that it's the spirit that brings life to the world. Yeah. Next uh, show, we're going to talk about the notion that <clears throat> all of creation goes through the sun. Um, <clears throat> through him, all okay. things are made. I don't want to step too much into that area there. Um, God from God, light from light. True yes. God from true God. So the first thing to, to really take from this mm. is we're talking about the word from. We're talking about all three sub-phrases. They're, they're talking about a relation. So the son comes from the father. You, we're, we're talking about the father being primary <clears throat> here, but, but, but not in time. Right. No, this is, this is, this is, but so we're, they're not using time words. And, and in fact, it'll, it'll happen further on. We'll even get even more uh, of this, but so God is, is eternally, well, the son is eternally begotten of the father. Um, so there's this relation. There's talking about God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Um, there's a little bit of a, a of, of a kind of doubling down that's happening here with with God. First is saying God from God, and that's just talking about the basic relation. We're talking about God coming from God. Yep. So the uh, God the Son coming being, from God the Father, being generated of the Father. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we're just talking about well, that simple relation. If we were to use analogies here, would you think asexual reproduction, analogy of creation? Asexual reproduction. How, um, how one cell is, is begotten, be, begets another one, exact, oh, that's exact, interesting. Replicate, exact that's re interesting. Re replica of itself. So you have two cells there. Um, another way of looking at it, and we talked about this last show with Father uh, Father Tony, um, the Adam and Eve story, that Eve is begotten of Adam, right. of his through side. Yeah. yeah, and and you could you could say through the bosom of Adam, even though it was his rib, of course, um, came Eve as the heart of humanity. Right. And uh, perhaps there's there's some analogy with uh, with God and the processions that that occur. Well, I think that. The way I understand the Trinity is is you th you think about Jesus as the Word, the thought of God, and that single thought, and that single thought mm. is perfect. I mean, there is no. I mean, we think a thought, and there are flaws. We don't have a complete thought, and it's finite. Right, it's, it's finite. Yeah, that meaning the same th same thing. If it's not yeah. a complete thought, it's finite, and but rather 
God is thinking this infinite thought, yes. this, this perfect infinite thought. And this thought is a perfect reflection of God the Father. Himself, yeah. Himself. It's not only thought, it's wisdom. Right. And that, that's why the Son is called eternal wisdom. That's where yes. EW, EWTN gets its name. Right? Eternal yeah. Wisdom Television, Television Network. Oh, it's Eternal Word. I'm sorry, Eternal Word. That's right, Eternal Word, Eternal Wisdom. But 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 wisdom is a good is a Same good w word. because the Book of Wisdom actually yeah. talks about it. The only the only problem I think non Christians would have with this is they talk about wisdom as a she, the pronoun she. Um, in the Bible, it does. In in, yeah, in yeah. the Bible, it does. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, obviously, the son is a he. Right. But but if you want to get philosophical, if you want to really delve beneath the surface here, there is a kind of active, passive, and no, ana exactly. analogously masculine-feminine kind of relationship between the father and the son. And, and wisdom would be feminine because wisdom, like you said, is the eternal word of the source, which right. is the father. So, yeah, there is that, 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 that kind of... Um feminine masculine kind of thing happening and, and of course when yeah. we're talking about god the father as god the father or god the son is god the son we're not talking about sex because they're divine god does not have a sex does not is not materially but god contains all so there is masculine and feminine within god himself but rather we know because of what Jesus transmitted to us, the preferred pronoun for God is he. Uh, and there are many reasons for that. Maybe we'll do a show on that. One of which though, is the relationship that God has with creation. Right. That he transcends creation and yet he comes within, to, uh, he creates creation and he is within creation in an intimate loving way. Uh, he is not creation itself. Right, right. No, there is definitely a separation. And, and, and we, I think that's a good sign for us to go back to God from God. So we're, we're going back to the mm. two persons of the Trinity. We, uh, we haven't got to the third yet, and that'll happen nope. later. Yep. Um, but so you have these people gathering in, in Nicaea, oppose a council that's happening. They're opposing Arius's doctrine here. And they're 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 going and doubling down. They're it's they're saying, seen. yeah, they're saying that Arius, you're definitely wrong about Jesus having a beginning. I yeah. mean, the Son having a beginning. You're you're definitely wrong about it. And so they say God from God, and then they double down on it, and then they say light from light. Because God is light, absolutely. Because God is light, and and. And then they might, you might as well double down on it again and say true God from true God. Yeah, just in case that they're mistaken, because there <laughs> yeah, is there is hey. ambiguity within the Bible. They're referring to created yeah. things as light. Right. And so just to make sure nobody has any misunderstanding what we mean in this entire mm. phrase, they say true God from true God. Make no mistake, Arius. Right. You're wrong. <laughs> now, um, want to say a little bit about Athanasius and how he was... He got himself in trouble for for um, for upholding the truth. Well, he was he was the the big driver behind the the, the Nicene uh, Council. The, the the orthodoxy behind it. Yes, the, and then the orthodoxy. Wasn't Saint Nicholas there too at uh, at Nicaea? Yeah, there, there there's a, a little bit of uh, legend there that uh, that uh, Saint <laughs> Nicholas uh, 
went out and punched uh, Arius yes. for his radical ideas. We don't know the ver veracity of that story, but it's a kind of we a don't. cute story it, to tell. And it's fun to tell around Christmas time when everyone just they <laughs> sees, you know, St. Nicholas is this holly jolly, you know, nice well, guy. You, you should understand that, that the saints are human beings and, and there, there is actually something wholesome about um, saints actually being a little bit forceful. We, we don't want to condone violence as such. No, but we love passion when it comes to truth. Yes. I mean, yeah. if you're not passionate about the truth, you're not living. Right. And, and it's certainly true of Athanasius. He was, was tenacious at hang, hanging on. What happened actually, Arius, it was yeah, Athanasius, his, uh, they, he prevailed in the Nicene Council. I mean, it was, it was only two bishops that, that uh, sided with Arius's uh, point of view. Um, two bishops that could not uh, sign on to the Ni Nicene Creed as, as they de was developed at that time. And then afterwards, what happened is Arius had a little bit of a stroke of luck. Um, the, uh, the Roman Emperor, the Eastern Roman Emperor, uh, yep. uh, uh, sort of got sucked into Arius's doctrine, and he started inserting yeah. bishops all over the world or all over the empire with bishops that were friendly to Arius. And Athanasius uh, was uh, starting to get persecuted because of that, because he wouldn't recant to the, the orthodoxy. And so, yeah. so it was a it was a tough period of uh, time a, for Athanasius, but Arius eventually died, and Arianism really lost all its force when Arius right. died. It was a tough time. Um, it was a challenging time in church history. Uh, you know, the it church was. church is going through growing pains. You know, some would say that the the Arian heresy, the Protestant Reformation or Deformation, uh, are the two biggest perhaps problems within the church itself. And a lot of people are saying, well, the scandal of today of the 21st century might be up there with those two. Well, your thoughts, you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of heresies come back. And I think right. that's what uh, they claim that modernism is just all the old heresies coming back combined. Yeah. Combined uh, as, as a single force and as heresies, they're not really coherent. They all contradict each other. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. One, yeah. Um, but because modernism starts from a doubt, I mean, it's easy, if you're going to be skeptical, it's very easy to, to point at all these various heresies and say, well, what about this? What about this? Mm. And, and, and eventually the skepticism just leads to doubt entirely about uh, the whole thing that Jesus was sent here for, for in the first place. Well, we always have to remember, of course, that Christ said the gates, will, the gates of hell will never prevail and right. that he will be with us until the end of the age when he comes back again. And the Holy Spirit that he, is, that he sets on Pentecost will continue to lead us and guide us to all truths. And even though we have growing pains in the church throughout history, that promise of Christ, of course, has never been rescinded. It's always been right. there. Despite ourselves, despite our sinfulness, the church, after over 2,000 years, remains a universal force and the only force against the devil and secular progressivism that there is today. 
there is actually something even deeper here to understand. You brought up all these right. these uh, growing pains. La these, last, this is going to have to be the last thought because we're running out of time. Okay. So with these growing pains, all these these evils that confront the church, people didn't think think of the Trinity, you know, just sitting on a rock someplace and saying, I'm going to think of this. Mm. But rather, all these heresies forced the church to define the truth more clearly. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... So that's what's that's what's happening. And so every time you come into these heresies, it forces the church to define more clearly. And that's the the fruit of this, what we're discussing here. It's great fruit. It really yeah. is. I'm, it's, it's what, you're right, it, it's what motivates the church to define doctrine. And without doctrine, doctrine, they're like, uh, you know, rock um, lampposts, if you will. We're, we're talking about the theme of light. They enlighten our way to heaven. Right. And, and, and it, it's an, another sure sign that the Holy Spirit is guiding the church. You see the yeah. truth continue, this, this coherence. Once you're within yes. the Catholic Church, you start sensing this coherence with, with, with it, all its doctrines and dogma. It's not complete because it's still a mystery, but you start to sense this coherence. You start seeing it's, that it all hangs together. It is totally reasonable because God is light. Right. There you have it. There you have it. Mr. Bob LeBlanc, thank you very much for exploring beneath the surface this line of the creed, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You've been listening to show number seven on this series on the, on, uh, the creed beneath the surface. Paul Morano uh, signing off with Mr. Bob LeBlanc, and we will see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.